All right. Hi, everybody. My name is Shane Green. I am the host of your Coach a Hacker podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Listen, I'm uh, really fired up today. I've got an amazing guest uh, I'm really looking forward to sharing with you. Adam Friedman. Uh, I, I got to say, I think I'm busy, but this guy is probably busier than anyone else I know. This guy has an awesome story. Uh, he's kind of like a serial entrepreneur, I think. He's founded Advisor TV in Chicago, Mably, a digital marketing agency. But some of his more recent work, which gets me really fired up, is some of his contributions uh, to Inc. Magazine. I think we're at about 250 and counting, where he really talks and emphasizes the idea of storytelling, which is elevated into company culture and how to tell the story of your brand. And now he's really embarking on what I think is the, the, the journey that uh, really aligns Adam and I together, which is a focus on this whole idea of connecting values, purpose, uh, and habits with employees and aligning that in terms of an organization. He's been doing a lot of research uh, under the science of story. He's got this book coming out that we're going to be very excited to read. And from there, he's absolutely placing that into some technology, which is really exciting because it's going to allow us to automate this idea of daily reinforcement of what is most important in your culture and to be able to drive company performance. Adam, how are you doing today? It's great to finally connect. Oh, absolutely, Shane. Thanks for having me on. All right. So as I just introduced, you're one of the busiest guys I know. What are you getting fired up about today? What's exciting you? What are you working on right now? Uh, Shane, you know, everything Everything fell in place when I discovered kind of my, my life's work and under the umbrella of brand is a reflection of culture. When I look at 70 plus percent of disengaged workforce United States, w- once it hit, my entire ecosystem began to realign. My articles on Inc., the book that you, that you talked about, our agency was just on Inc. 5,000 last month. And of course, the technology that we're now building under the vision of helping brands understand how to align their cultures. So, so you've got so much in common. I love uh, Tony Shea in our backyard here in Las Vegas talked that uh, brand is really a lagging indicator of culture. So here's, here's you, you know, a guy that I kind of revere to, I think is an amazing brand and marketing guy, particularly in the digital world. So you literally had this aha that everything you were working on was really a reflection was, that was what was happening inside the organization. So if this culture kind of piece that we're talking about is really clicking with you, give us that uh, overview. What, what is culture to you and how is it impacting brand today? Let's evaluate first this engagement versus disengagement. These surveys have continued for years now by Gallup, and we haven't moved the needle. I personally believe that 70% disengagement is, is setting the bar too low. What if we ask the question of how many inspired individuals do we have? And what is a brand? A brand is customer service. A brand is the innovation of the products. A brand is the operations, the manufacturing. If we're purchasing from a brand that is uninspired internally, what chance do they have to produce the products and the experiences that we as customers will continue to enjoy? I love it. You're getting me fired up. I, you know, you, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but I want to reiterate again. I really do believe that while everyone's so focused on this customer experience economy, we are shifting into the employee experience economy for just what you said, because the employee experience is driving how people feel about coming to work. That collective mindset is really defining what culture is. And therefore, that becomes the real tipping point and key catalyst for whether it's customer service, employee performance, 
turnover. Let's face it, it, it goes all the way down to profitability. Companies have to start making this the main thing. I know they've got so many strategies about operations and customers and marketing, but it's amazing to me still that so many companies don't have their employee strategy in place. And you know, what's interesting, let's, let's take a step back. I, my perspective here was to come from marketing, the, from the angle of branding. And as we continue to work with our clients, we kept asking the question, why is there a divide in companies? On one side, you have those that are responsible for external communications. On the other side, those responsible for internal communications. And in between, there's a Chinese wall. They cannot talk to each other. So what does that mean? That means internal comms responsibility is compliance. It's yep. accounting. It's keep people at bay so they don't ask for more money. External, meanwhile, your job is to sell. Your job is to create an image. It doesn't matter if it's a fake image. In fact, we as customers have all become complacent with the idea that everything we see, it's all a lie. Marketing and branding as an industry is your tobacco the guy on a horse who's having an amazing life? <laughs> no connection to how the company is actually living internally. All the major agencies over the years have become the external manipulators, professionals at it. And we've never, and, and, and there's no blame here. It's simply a realization. Isn't it time for us to change now? Culture went through many innovative cycles from the Ford company saying 40 hour work week to Boeing saying no more smoking. Where, what's next? How do we continue to evolve beyond now to help create holistic experiences internally and externally? So if we're going to go internal, let's, let's get into this piece because I know that you are a big advocate, you communicate, you talk a lot about purpose. And it seems to be that, you know, our younger workforces are wanting this. So let's talk for a minute. If we're talking internal, where does purpose lie? How important is it? And how do you communicate that out, particularly in large organizations that may uh, span the globe, um, may even have uh, and par probably have a, a ver an offsite workforce? Tell me about purpose and, again, why this is so critical in today's modern workforce. What a, what a great question. As you know, our book, Science of Story, asks that question as, as our main mission. And we've interviewed almost 500 companies now for the book. And we've always asked them, what is your purpose? Why do you exist? And in our journey, we met a gentleman who's Mike Kelly, who's a purpose coach. And, and he described it very well that I continue to use in every conversation. What we've learned is there's an appetite for purpose that varies across companies. Some are okay with an appetizer. And your appetizer here would be a tagline. And many of companies say, of course, we have one of those purpose statements. Here's our tagline. Or here's our mission. And many times they have to look it up on their phones. <laughs> I have caught multiple, multiple publicly traded companies, CMOs, say we didn't know that was going to be asked today. I call them the group of forgot my homework. <laughs> you know what? I got a young son who would probably uh, you know, agree with that statement. But isn't that amazing? You're talking to CMOs. You're talking to people in the C-suite. And the most simplest fundamental question that I think should drive organizations is lost on them. Absolutely. So then there are other companies. And as you go down the appetite route, when you get toward the dessert, 
or, or kind of having your, your, your cup of, last cup of coffee there, you have companies that are so inspired, they light up. In fact, we've learned in the first two, three minutes, we can with certainty predict if this is a company with heavy appetite for purpose and one that's cautiously walking in the room, being super careful about what they say. Many companies have watched the Simon Sinek talk. Many discussed the importance of why. We took a step at defining the bullseye of purpose, and I think that is what's missing in the world. We think it should be simple, genuine, and aspirational. Two to five words, genuine internally and externally, and lastly, for it to be aspirational. It isn't connected directly to your product or service. It is not about a proposal. It's not about a value prop statement. This is this is fascinating. So I want to go back, and you know, you, you said four, five hundred companies you have interviewed, and so what you what you're saying, and this is what I believe, that immediately you can tell whether or not an organization is purpose driven, whether or not their culture is alive and well. Those that are excited about it, they live it. It's kind of like you light up because you get to talk about something that you really love and you're really proud of, and therefore it's such an easy conversation. Like you said, there's companies that look at you a little like a deer in headlights. Um, they might move around it. Because because while for them, they might say, yeah, we have purpose. It's a piece of paper up on the wall. They don't live it. Therefore, there is conflict. And when you say something like I have a purpose or I have values, but you don't live it and believe it, you know, it's that anxiety element sort of inside. So kind of tell us, you know, you've done all this research. Tell me, when you saw those companies that were very purpose driven and they their, their eyes lit up, what things brought that purpose to life? What, what are some of the ahas that you walked away that you said, companies that just get it, have a really great culture, they just seem to be doing this better than everybody else? So I'm going to give you two examples that stood out on this journey for us. The first was an agency that has worked for years in the consumer packaging branding industry. And this gentleman, after a successful journey, was at home on a Sunday and his daughter was old enough to ask him a question. She said, Daddy, how come I cannot eat any of the products that you work on? <laughs> wow. He had a moment that he couldn't shake for that day and that night. He came to work next day and he said, we're going to change our business. The second company is a cybersecurity non-for-profit. This company for years has talked about you know, there's a boogeyman and we have to protect our cyber, there are risks. And then the CMO of the company uh, came in, spent some time in reflection, spent some time in learning the industry, understanding his tribe. And he came out and he said the following, my son served in the military and uh, I couldn't talk to him, but I could log on Facebook and I can see when the button turns from gray to green, that means he's online. And if he's online, he's alive. Mm, wow. We believe in the positive potential of technology. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, these two of many examples we found, when you hear these stories, you realize that they are not just about storytelling from a marketing or branding standpoint. It's a, it's a statement that becomes the anchor, the soul of the organization that transcends uh, why we go to work every day. 
This is, this is an interesting topic. I, and again, I, I've been in a couple of interviews the last week. You know, you've got some, some, some elements where people had this aha moment that sort of transcended their company and culture. You're seeing this on a much bigger scale with obviously some of the big companies out there today, your Ubers, your Wells Fargo's, VW's, um, Google recently. You're seeing these big organizations um, and, you know, they're getting sort of called to task a little bit. This is almost their aha moment. Uh, VW is one of my favorite examples. Obviously, two years ago, you know, got in a lot of trouble. The emissions scandal, everybody knew about it, lost huge corporate value. Yet what gets me very excited is I read about VW today and there's so much information the, uh, about the employee communications, the engagement and, and the uh, uh, purpose that it seems to have come out of a crisis and this commitment to really, really do something special. I think you're seeing this in a lot of organizations that when you have this aha moment, you either go with it and do something and really redefine yourself or you just kind of let it lag. And I think that's a really important piece is that there has to be this catalyst or this recognition that purpose-driven, that culture has to be the main thing. So if you have that, and, you, and again, sort of using those companies, when you start to, once you have that belief, once you have that aha moment or that understanding, what do you see, what do companies then have to do? Because you can't just have an aha moment. You can't just, you know, again, you, some instances change your business model. What do you have to do internally? to actually make that real? Because that's what we talk about at Culture Hacker. How do we make that sort of transformation but make it real? Yeah, so we call it the purpose transformation and we define it through five stages. The right. first is to make a choice to communicate what you believe versus what you do. Often bypassed by companies to go straight into what's our tagline. Are you ready to communicate what you believe? Because there's no MBA class that has ever taught you or even introduce that question into your life. Great. Next is discover your purpose. That discovery process could be as simple as the leadership or the founder, or as intricate as getting as many of your tribesmen involved. And by the way, we strongly believe in the word tribe versus employee. When you come together for a single purpose, you become a tribe. An employee comes to work to get paid. Okay. The third stage is ignition. That's when you shared internally. That's when you develop the values and you begin to think about habit formation. Great. The fourth is only now you're ready to express externally what you believe and connect on that on those bases. And the last stage five is impact. It's continuous learning. When we asked Pentagonia, one of the greatest examples we found, what would they have done differently? They said we wish we would have found our purpose sooner. Hmm. They didn't when they launched. They found it halfway through their journey at this point, and that helped to propel them forward. Belief, discover, ignite, express, and impact is what we have defined as the purpose transformation journey. That's, that's fantastic. I want to jump in on step four for a second because this has been an interesting conversation. How important do you think it is for an organization to express externally 
what they are doing internally. Because I think you see, I've worked with some organizations that, you know, they kind of reject that completely. They sort of say, no, 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 we, we, we don't want to give away any of any secrets. We don't want to talk about what we're doing internally. We just want our results to kind of speak for themselves versus other organizations that have gone out and are very proud, told the story of their culture. And you know, Zappos in our backyard, again, a great example. It's almost added to that reputation and to that brand, if not become that brand and certainly certainly led to some really uh, great success. So my response would be first, we're seeing a lot of progressive companies open up to their internal cultures. They're making their people front and center, both because that is what you're buying when you interact with the brand and because they're so proud and they want to give visibility to their internal folks. But that isn't the foundation of the express stage in our view. We think the foundation is there to share what you believe. So if you want, and as I said before, the company talked about positive potential of technology, then you express that. You talk about positive potential of technology. You create, you write a book, you launch a magazine, you, you launch um, you know, a podcast, and you start to advocate on the change in the world that you want to see. And through that, you connect with people who share your views that then could lead to relationships. Do you think the reason some companies don't want to do that is that they're afraid to put that stake in the ground? And again, I think there, there's a fear that it's like, well, we're not sure what we're doing, so let, let's not talk about it. Yet versus the ones that feel so good about themselves that that stake in the ground is so easy to do because, as I said, they just live it every day. You see, I think the reason they don't do it is because they don't have it. Okay, when cool. you have it, you don't have a choice. It is a burning desire. It is, it is, it's like a force that has to come out of you, and not just through the leader. It's infectious. When John, Jeff Kennedy was visiting NASA, and he stopped a guy who was mopping the floor and asked him, what do you do here? He said, well, Mr. President, I'm putting the men on, on the moon. Mm, that connection we've seen in, in a few other book interviews were folks that are so connected. It doesn't matter if you're the bricklayer who says I'm building the Empire State Building. You feel it in your bones. You get up in the morning knowing you go to work for purpose. That doesn't happen by choice to contain it. You don't make a decision to hold it back. If you don't have it, you then look for anything that you can project externally, no matter how fake it is. Well, and again, you talk the word fake because, again, I think a lot of organizations do fake it. They, they have a piece of paper on the wall or on their website or for their uh, uh, investor summaries and that, which is just words on paper. And I think companies are starting to really realize that if it is just words on paper, they're going to get in trouble. And again, going back to some of the scandals the last couple of years, whether it was the VW, the Wells Fargo, the Ubers, you know what? Part of it was that media jumped on the fact that they had these purpose or they had these values and what their actions said were completely in conflict to it. So I think companies have to realize, and let's face it, in today's transparent world, social media-driven world, if somebody does something bad in your organization, people are going to find out about it. It's how you handle it. And while one or two people might be in conflict, it's about how you address that. And again, Google just did it, I think, perfectly uh, most recently when obviously the manifesto came out. They said it was completely in conflict with what they believe in. Um, they addressed it quickly. They acted uh, even quicker. Um, and as a result, it kind of goes away. Couldn't agree more with you. 
couldn't agree more. It's only a matter of time before whatever you project, if it isn't accurate, is going to find its way to the truth. Yeah. So, so let's take this now. So we've got purpose. Um, we've got some of these values that define how people act and interact. But the real element that I think now crosses over to the customer is these actions, these attitudes and behaviors that are used to interact with the customer every day. You call them habits, I believe. So how do you start to now shift? I've got my ideals, I got my purpose. How do we start to instill though the behaviors and habits that will ultimately define I think their brand reputation because it's these attitudes and actions that people are talking about online when they talk about companies. So let's let's do a little bit of the leveling of, of the knowledge out there. When we talk about values, there's a research that was recently done of 500 Fortune 500s. Their values have could all be distilled down to nine. Hmm. Their top value is integrity. Yep. As I continued the interviews for my column, I've realized when I asked the question of how do you operationalize your values? How do you live them? What is the metrics behind it? Most people looked at me with an awe. With, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean operationalize values? And as soon as that happened, my, my, I, I, I couldn't believe what I was experiencing or the insight that I was getting. If values aren't operationalized, doesn't that mean that values are just words. It's lip service. It's yep. a poster. It's it's philosophical and bullshit, it, as I call it. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, doesn't that mean that the purpose they represent is just on paper? Yep. And if none of us live either one of those two, then all of that becomes the town hall once a year presentation by a leader, and everyone is listening to it because they have to. Yeah, and they can't wait to get back to their desks on Facebook. So, 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 again, so, make it real. Make it real for us. How do we move beyond these pieces of paper on the wall? Purpose, values. So purpose inspires, values, guide, habits, define. My favorite quote by Aristotle. It's not what you know, it's what you do. Action is, is then habitual. Yep. Well, we believe it's time to distill the values into daily interactions mm. and for us to take commitment for our actions. And um, so value like integrity, then let's go beyond it. What does that mean on a daily basis? Is it about having the presence of mind to make the right choices? Do we go in the direction of mindfulness? Do we go in the direction of education and self-education? What are actionable daily elements? And I know you and I had talked about positive psychology Mm. as one potential huge source of knowledge um, where we have the study of the best self, the study of human flourishing that could be distilled down into daily uh, actions on how to live your values. So so if I'm I'm an organization out there, I'm, I'm, I'm an executive, I'm a manager, how do we reinforce? So, so we, 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 we've now defined what these daily acti- actions might be. We've distilled our values down into behaviors. Now, how do you approach making those behaviors and habits real? Is it a training program? Is it a communications program? Uh, you talked about maybe daily uh, sort of uh, uh, reminders about it. But truly, how do we create that? And it, what would be interesting is if, if we discover a behavior that may be not intuitive for the organization or something that's new. How do they approach the idea of making this real? We know, you know, habits, you know, to get rid of bad habits, replace it with new habits, uh, that takes time. 
So what is that through that time? What are the, what are the activities that as a manager, uh, as the HR team, as a C-suite, as an executive owner, what can I do? And what are the things that I can do to make this real? Of course, it's always leading by example. But I think what you're lo- talking about is accountability here. Oh, cool. And leaders can create accountability through meetings. They can create accountability through various documents. You and I had talked about an experiment, a research project we're launching uh, as we speak called Prohabits.com. We think the vision here is about daily commitment to growth, daily accountability for the actions to be completed, and this element of sharing your journey with everyone around and holding each other responsible, making personal growth, making living your values cool within culture, as opposed to for it to be formal and lip service. So I, I think there are, there are ways to use habit tracking platforms and, and to lead by examples, by example, but we are now doing the largest um, project or the largest research project in the world around that connection between the personal growth, habit formation, and organizational success. This, this is going to be some great stuff. Tell me then, uh, positively reinforcing those actions of behavior, how important is it to do that on a daily basis? How any uh, advice out there to uh, managers, owners, how to positively reinforce those behaviors that you're wanting to see? For me, some of these traditional recognition programs, they don't work, they're, they're, they're spread out way too far and they don't have, uh, they don't, they're not connected or aligned to have real meaning. You know, how do you do it? I, I think through education, it's time for us to bring knowledge to leaders that transcends the tactical, that transcends the spreadsheets. Let's talk about the basic human interactions. How do you give someone feedback? Is it enough to do it once a year? Or once, or once a quarter? Is it enough to say simply thank you or I appreciate it? What if we can now prove scientifically that if you share what their work means to the team, to the department, maybe to the company, how much more do you create in terms of the energy and the commitment and their will to continue? Then there are other elements. What if meetings start with, I, I've, I've met a few companies along the journey who start every meeting with a few minutes of gratitude. Cool. What's happening in their organization? What's happening with their teams that they're grateful for? It's these little practices, seemingly little, that become the catalyst, the domino effect for culture change that is sustainable. So knowledge, bringing that knowledge, getting managers and leaders to start learning more about how to be their best self so they can lead by examples. And if they don't, it is going to be exceptionally difficult, if not impossible, for the organization to shift. I love what you're reinforcing because, you know, that was the whole idea of, uh, you know, Culture Hacker. Make a series of small changes and, again, quietly go about them. You don't need to make a big deal about them, but they will ultimately make a significant transformation in your organization. And you don't have to sort of go out and loud and proud and say, all right, we're going to completely reinvent the meeting. All you do is add in two or three minutes of gratitude and recognition at the start of it, and you can immediately start that shift. And it's those little shifts and those collection of recognizing these little actions, these little activities, these opportunities that managers and owners have every day. And for me, it's just taking advantage of them. 
You're using a meeting. You have meetings now anyway. So take two or three minutes to do some recognition. That's how that shift starts to happen and how transformation happens. And it doesn't have to be such a big deal. And so I love what you're talking about, that it's that mindfulness of managers being aware of what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. Leading by example has such a big impact and ultimately is such a big driver of what culture is today. And Shane, you mentioned the words mindfulness. That's another interesting point that has been that I've found to extremes. Some companies talk about it in the context of this is too new age. We're not ready to sing kumbaya in circles yet. <laughs> yet other companies say, look at the outcomes. Mindfulness could save lives in healthcare, in construction, in oil and gas industries, because mindfulness helps you prevent mind wandering, which in many industries could lead to a very fatal accident. In other cases, mindfulness, you talked about leaders being present to give positive reinforcement or to give recognition. They have to be present in that moment. What leader doesn't have 100 emails waiting for them Mm. or at least two or three major stresses in their lives? But in order to be able to do what's needed for their team, for their tribe, they must be present and aware. And to do that is a skill that we need to give them. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, they're inundated with all kinds of digital professional and personal interactions. Our minds are racing at such speeds, we're losing the touch with the self, we're losing the touch with this moment. And they, they need help first, and then their tribe needs that help for all of us to be able to shift. You know what? And again, I, I want to jump on this because this is such a powerful piece that I that I am such an advocate. If you're listening out there, owners, executives, the HR team, your focus has to be the managers. I see across going into organizations, we're so quick to move to the tribe, as Adam calls it, to our employees, and we think it's all about them. And we forget about building this comfort and confidence, this awareness, this mindfulness in our managers. If we do that, then we have a chance to impact the front line. But we often want to skip over that part of the process. And when we go in and we do transformations today, we talk culture, we say, you've got to invest in your managers. Focus on the habits that will make them successful and let them practice with their employees before you roll out any significant training or program and that to them. But I, I, I just got to say, you have to give the managers that support and thinking first. And, and don't be afraid. And I know organizations get very urgent. They go, well, we've got to get to the front line because they're touching our customers today. I will say it now. I'll say it again. If you go and spend all your money on the front line, but you fail to engage, connect, build comfort and confidence in your managers, you just wasted some money. Adam, you agree? I I couldn't agree more. In fact, I'll add a couple pieces. First, the companies that we've seen go through serious transformation for quality, advanced appetite for purpose and values. They lost some of the team members because they no longer aligned to the new vision of the organization. The second, straight to your point, managers and leaders can't just be passively involved in the habit formation and the intentional culture change. They must become advocates. They must become, become captains, culture captains, because if they don't, their teams are going to be completely rejecting everything as the formal, as the new corporate lingo, and it will have an adverse effect on culture. 
This, this is this is great stuff. So let me kind of start to recap. And as I said, we'll start to shift on. But you got the, uh, the story of science coming out, the book. When, when is this coming out? Because this is going to have some amazing insights for our listeners. When, when is the book due? Thanks, Shane. We certainly hope so. It, it's due to come out in November on the uh, Kindle edition and then early next year, physical copy plus the audio edition. This is, this is huge, guys, because if you listen out there, and again, what Adam said, four or 500 companies that he's interviewed to really get to the heart of what is differentiating the ones that get it, have purpose, are driven, the companies that are really connecting with their employee base today and the ones that are not. So please look out for that. And then Adam, as I said, you know, the research has really started to spur this, this, this purpose, and I think in your life, where you're directing now around this idea of pro-habits. I know you're, you're putting a lot into it, but again, you know, how does this pro-habit, so you know, you're developing a communication platform that's going to really communicate on a daily basis to managers and team members. Really, where, where, where is the vision of this leading to? You know, ultimately, what do you see your place and what you're going to be able to do uh, for companies and organizations when it comes to habits? Thanks, Shane. So our vision is as simple as can we connect personal growth to organizational success? As we look at living our values every day, we see companies decide on the curriculums, decide on the tracks, on the daily interactions that they then roll out to their organization. And as people make that daily commitment, they get an email in the morning asking them to commit, an email in the evening asking them if they've done it. When they say they've done it, we take them to a dashboard and we show them the progress they're making and the progress that everyone else on their team is making. This way, the leadership and the executives of the organization can now have a real metric a real barometer around here is how we're living our values every day on in addition to that can we now see the needle move on our business outcomes can we have more revenue can we have more innovation can we have less um, accidents take place as our safety is now improving what couldn't we move in our business results through personal growth and investment into our people the, the, what my, what gets me kind of exciting by the platform is the data that you're going to have within three to six months of, uh, of being in an organization uh, about who's on board and who's not. Talk about a, a, an aha moment for uh, you know, owners and executives when they start to look at their management team in various departments. I mean, this could be really profound. You said accountability earlier on, but that ability to have tough conversations and maybe have tough decisions, make tough decisions. Um, this, this has got great, great applicability in my mind. We, we hope so. We, we hope it, it, it's time for, for us to revolutionize how cultures are built. And uh, we're really excited. It is based now on so much research and findings. Um, and we hope, hope companies join the research. Uh, listen, I, I've said it before and said it again, HR, we've got to get more data-driven. Certainly what uh, Adam is talking about is a big part of it. Adam, this is an awesome conversation. Adam, uh, tell her, what, what's the best way to get hold of you? Someone that, that, that's kind of getting fired up like I am about this. Um, how can we reach out and learn more? Thanks, Shane. So the best way to get, get in contact with me is prohabits.com. That's prohabits.com. And um, there's a contact form, and we're looking forward to folks out there that it resonates with to engage. 
Listen, Adam, thanks for joining us today. You're doing some great work. Listen, uh, you got to come back uh, and, and talk to us again uh, once the book's out and once uh, you're getting more of this research and data because, again, it's that data that's giving us just fantastic insights into how to shift the needle. So thank you for joining us today. It is my pleasure. Thank you, Shane, for having me on. All right, everybody out there. Listen, my name is Shane Green. Uh, as I said, you can reach me at shanegreen.com. Remember, this is the Culture Hacker podcast. My book, Culture Hacker, is out there today. Please connect. Let us know what you think. Uh, Adam, uh, some great insights today. Please continue to listen to what we're all about as we start to transform organizations in a meaningful way and really bring it to bear that culture is the main thing in business today. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you again soon. Cheers.